right, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. John, chapter 10. If you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your smart device and you can open up the version or the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded in there. If you are watching us online from Door County or some other beautiful county, or you're at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, love you guys. So glad that you're part of our family. And let me just say, I know we always give a shout out to the people on that side of the screen, but can I just say I love you and I'm so glad that you're part of my life and that you're a part of my family. And and just like a weird little tinge here. If you see Pastor Sonny and I out in public, don't be like weird about it. Just come talk to us. We're normal human beings. We're just like people who are just like you, who are just, you know, doing life, raising kids and, you know, paying bills and doing all the other stuff like you. And so, you know, this, I just say that because this week I, I had an encounter with, uh, it wasn't like weird or anything. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like on TMZ or anything. It was just like somebody, you could tell that they knew me and you could tell that I knew them but we were just kind of like two people. <laughs> so I love you guys, and I'm just so glad that you're a part of my family and so glad uh, that you chose to be here. So uh, uh, This is the final message, actually, in this series. I've actually also, like Pastor Sonny, I've been enjoying this series that we've been in, just real simple uh, term. It's called Frequency. If you want to know more about this topic, there's a beautiful book by Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church in Dallas, and he writes a book called Frequency. It's where this title actually comes from, and it is, if you have time and if you're looking for something to read, it's really, really incredible. And this series has just been about helping us tune in, dial in, improve our reception by adjusting our, our frequency ever so slightly. And we've been coming out of this passage from the Gospel of John that says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, they listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them all out on his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. They'll run away because they don't recognize that stranger's voice. I love that line. They don't recognize his voice. Have you ever had a hard time recognizing someone's voice? It sounds similar to someone else's voice. It has a familiarity, has similarities, maybe the same tone, the same cadence. When I call my wife Sonny's phone, it'll ring. She'll answer, and without hesitation, I'll just start talking before I realize it's not my wife. It's actually my daughter. Their voices are similar because their spirits are similar. Uh, they're both joyful. They're both generally happy that I called. Their, their voices are similar, but they're not the same. So it doesn't take me very long to realize that I'm talking to the wrong person. But if I called Sonny's phone and a stranger answered, I'd be like, whoa, hold up. Uh, 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 who's this? I mean, chances are it would be because Perhaps she lost her phone, but my, my mind wouldn't like, naturally go there. I, I, I would say, whoa, 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 who, who's this? Because, because I would know it's not her because I know her voice. You know, there's a stranger in the spirit, a spiritual stranger who's trying to speak into your life. He, he, has, a, he has a different voice. It's similar. It has the same tone. It, it, it oftentimes has the same cadence, and that spiritual stranger will actually often speak to you in church. 
And, and when the scriptures reveal something in this church to your life, the Savior's voice will speak to your insufficiencies, and he'll tell you that, that you can change, that you will never be the same. But the stranger's voice, it, it will also speak, but, but he will speak to your insecurities, and, and he will try to tell you that you will never change and that you will never be enough. Your response to that voice is contingent upon your reception. Which voice are you tuned into? Which frequency do you find yourself on? So today, I want to help you fix your frequency and tell you how to recognize God's voice. Let's pray. God, we love you. We value you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You, you deserve all of our honor. You deserve all of our attention, all of our adoration and our affection. And so today we, we center on you. Even if it's just for a few moments of our week, we're going to center on you and pray that you would change us from the inside out, in Jesus' name, amen. How, how, do we, how do we recognize God's voice? How do we decipher it? How do we distinguish the voice of God? It's, it's an interesting and very important question because every person who's pursuing God, every person who's, who's chasing after Jesus needs to hear his voice because they need to follow his lead. But even the best of us sometimes find ourselves on the wrong frequency. Uh, the best example that I could think of this week as I was praying about this actually comes out of the Gospel of Matthew. And it's this interesting uh, interaction where Jesus is talking to his disciples. His disciples were the 12 people, the 12 guys who, who had left everything and decided to dedicate their lives to full focus on him. And so Jesus is having this conversation kind of away from everybody else. And, and, and he says to his disciples, who do men say that I am. One of them, Simon at the time, he, he answered, he said, oh, I know, I know, you, you are the Messiah, you're the son of, of the living God. And Jesus says, bingo, got it, ding, 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 you're the one, yay! And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are now Petros, or Peter, which means rock, and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it, will never overcome it. Simon, a.k.a. Peter, a.k.a. Petros, a.k.a. the rock, clearly heard from God. But watch this. A few verses later in the same conversation, Jesus has gone from talking about this, about who do men say that I am, to telling his disciples, his homies, that he has to die. Same conversation. Peter... The rock, Petros, upon whom he's going to build his church, he pulls Jesus aside and, and he says, never, Lord. Like, like bro, this is never, never going to happen. We, like, like, he's kind of like, I got you, bro. Like, we got your back, homie. Jesus then turns to Peter and he says, get ye behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You, you don't have in mind the concerns of God. You merely have human concerns. In other words, you, you're not thinking about what God wants. You're thinking about what you want. And here's Peter. Same cat, same conversation, just different frequency. So no matter how long you've been a Jesus person, it's important for you to recognize God's voice. And it's not always easy. It's why John what scripture says is the disciple who Jesus loved told us not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether or not 
they're from God. There will be people who will try to speak over your life and they'll have a false spirit. They'll have a bad spirit and it will come clothed. Scripture actually says that the enemy comes clothed as an angel of light. The book of wisdom, Proverbs tells us there's a way that appears like it appears right to us. But in the end, that way leads to death. So, so what do we do about that? We, we have to have some sort of a filter. We have to have some sort of a test. So I, I want to give you four of them today. I want to give you four checks, if you would. Four, uh, four ways to test for God's voice. And I want to call them today four frequency filters. Four things that you can filter everything that you hear, because you're going to hear things, you hear things all the time, especially now that we're on the internet, especially now that we're on social media, there's always something, there's always a new thing, there's always like something that's, that's uh, populating our ears, and so we need something to siphon that through, something to filter that through to make sure that we're not being led astray. So four frequency filters. Here's the first. Does that line up? with scripture. Hmm. Part of the problem with using that as a filter is that so many of us have been taught that we don't actually need this. Maybe you were taught that you're unqualified. Maybe you were taught that you're not intelligent. Maybe you were taught that this isn't your job, that like this is my... Any, anybody who tells you that it is their job or their responsibility to to uh, decipher the scriptures for you in, in my humble thoughts is someone who's trying to secure their job. This is not my responsibility. My responsibility is not to feed you scripture. Your responsibility is to feed yourself scripture and then it's my responsibility to help decipher and make sure that you're getting it right simply because I've been doing this a little longer than most of you and because while you're working, this is my job. My job is to funnel through these things so that I can understand what it is that God is speaking in all of our lives. And so does the voice line up with scripture? Does what you're hearing line up with the Bible? Let me say it this way. God's voice will never contradict God's word. Never. Anybody who comes to try to tell you something and it doesn't line up with scripture, that's not of God. That's of them. They, they have some sort of an agenda and, and you'll never know if it lines up with scripture unless you line up with scripture. Like you, you have to be self-feeding. Does that make sense? Like even in the scripture in John 10 where Jesus is talking about the sheep, the shepherd cares for the sheep, but the sheep Feed the sheep. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like Jesus, even the shepherd, he, he, he's not holding like uh, my niece, Magnolia. She got to go to the farm in Door County uh, yesterday and she thought it was the greatest thing because she took a little thing, a little handful of stuff and little kernels and she held them in her hand and the goats, they ate out of her hand and she laughed and we got it on video and it was the greatest thing. It was great. But listen, those goats, they're going to eat after she leaves. They're going to eat everything, incidentally, after she leaves. If she left her shoe behind, that they would eat that shoe. If there's a can of Coke, they'd, they'd pop it, they'd empty the Coke, they'd eat the can. Because goats, everybody knows goats don't like Coke. They just like the cans. And they eat the can. And they, sometimes I say things and you guys think it's actual and it's totally sarcastic, by the way. Somebody's going to like tweet that right now. Oh my God, did you know that goats don't like Coke? And for the rest of your life, 
You're going to teach your kids, don't give coke to coats, because, you know, goats hate like tigers, hate cinnamon. I mean, it's just the thing that you just, okay, like God will never, ever contradict his word. He's not going to say one thing in the Bible and then come along and say something else to you. So be careful of people who get a fresh word, a fresh revelation, a, a new thing. Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. And so any like guy who's like on TV or me, like if I come up here six years from now and I say, God gave me a new thing. It's like outside of here. Mm -mm, just chase me out of town with pitchforks and fire on sticks. Put me in water because I'm probably a witch. There, like there, you got to figure out, is it in here? And here's an example. Uh, there, there's some religious teachers. They're called Pharisees. There's two groups of people in scripture. There are the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They're both religious teachers. The Pharisees believed in an afterlife. The Sadducees didn't believe in an afterlife. That's kind of the main, there are other things that divided them, but that's kind of the main division. And so Jesus is talking to this group of religious leaders. They're Pharisees. And one of them comes to Jesus and, and he asks him. He acts like a religious person because what religious people like to do is try to catch Jesus people being wrong. And so this religious person comes to Jesus and he asks him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus doesn't even answer the question. He responded like this. Why are you asking me? Haven't you read? And then he goes on and he quotes scripture. He responds from the book of Genesis. And he says, in the beginning, the creator made the male and female. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this is like Jesus and Jesus is asking these religious dudes, why are you asking my opinion when it's already been written? Which incidentally is why you will not catch me sharing my opinion about anything. It's why I don't respond to front page articles in any newspaper. And I have people ask me all the time. They say, well, a hey, hey, pastor, uh, what do you think about blank? Or, or hey, what's your opinion on blank? And y'all, you can fill in the blank with whatever you want. Divorce, racism, homosexuality, abortion, politics, gun violence, whatever it is, is your particular pet topic. You can put that boop in the blank. And here's my response. It doesn't matter what I think. It literally does not matter what I think about divorce. It doesn't matter what I think about homosexuality or same-sex marriage. It doesn't matter what I think about what happens in this town or in that town because it is written. And the Gospel of Luke says, even though all of heaven and earth will pass away, my word will remain true forever. Everything that you want an opinion from me or from some other religious leader about, it doesn't matter. It's already been addressed. Every topic that we're dealing with in our culture has already been addressed. Divorce, same-sex marriage, violent, all of that stuff has already been talked about. But when you don't have this in your life, you, you, you don't have any true north on anything. And what happens is you get these conflicting voices that are really confusing and that are really convincing. But in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is tempted, which is a very interesting kind of 
dynamic anyway. Jesus is being tempted, which means that he could have at any time kind of stepped off the path. Jesus is being tempted, Scripture says, by the Satan, the, the enemy, the devil. And, and it, what's interesting is that the devil, hello, uses the word of God to try to tempt the word of God. He, he, the devil quotes Scripture to scripture. Like the, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was the word and the enemy tries to come and use the word to tempt the word. So wouldn't you think it would be natural to think that the enemy would try to twist scripture so that he could like deceive you? And so the enemy comes and he like tries to use this scripture to tempt Jesus. And scripture in Luke says that with every temptation, Jesus considers... Does what he's saying line up with scripture? Like, like, is what he's saying in contextual perfection? Is this actually what that scripture is saying? This is why it's dangerous when people have a topic that they're interested in and want to know what the word says about it, so they Google that topic. And like one scripture will come up that can be taken totally out of context and you can totally build your entire belief system on something that you don't actually understand. And the only way to avoid this is to hide, this, is, this book says, to hide this in your heart and is to consume of this thing constantly. And so every temptation that is presented to Jesus, he considers, does this line up with scripture? And then he uses scripture as his response, like he's like, mm, I don't think so, because it is written, because our first filter is, does it line up with scripture? Here's the second, is will it make me more like Jesus? And this is our goal after salvation. After you have been saved, and it is amazing, and Pastor Sonny said 30 people responded and they began their Jesus journey, which means they're gonna walk away from who they are and they're gonna walk toward who Jesus is. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. It's the first step in this journey toward who it is that we're supposed to be. And so our goal after salvation is that we would surrender our lives and submit our lives to Jesus. Everything that he said, everything that he did, everything that he thought. And in the book of Philippians, one of the champions of the Jesus people, the, a guy named Paul, he tells us that we should work out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. And you can uh, interpret that word fear however you want. You can say, well, I don't want to be afraid of God. I'm not afraid of God. I'm afraid of myself. I'm afraid of who I am without God. I'm afraid of the decisions that I'll make outside of him. And so I don't want to be outside of him. I want to line myself up with who he is and what he does. And the only way for me to be able to do that is for me to take his word and put it into me. In theological terms, it's, we go through something called regeneration. Now, theology is just the study of God. And in our study of God, we have to go through something called regeneration, where I may not be what I need to be, but I'm also not what I used to be. And so the more I know God, the more I become like God. In other words, I become less like me, and I become more like him. And I'm letting him work on my attitude and I'm a decision making. I'm letting him work on my choices and on my reactions, which by the way, here at Life Church, like that, that happens, that regeneration process, 
really happens in, in two primary ways. First is through Growth Track, which Pastor Sonny talks about every single week, and she teaches it, and my friend Pastor Scott teaches it. And the purpose of Growth Track is so you can get to know more about us, and we can get to know more about you to see if we actually are a good fit. And when you take Growth Track, the way that you become more like God is that you're going to discover your purpose. What is it that you're meant to do? What were you put on this earth to do. First is we were put on this earth to serve. How is it that you can serve? Who is it that you can serve? And so we help do that, make you more like Jesus by having you go, like if the only thing you ever do is come here on a Sunday morning, you're missing it, y'all. Like this, this, is the, this is the snack. This is the appetizer, which it may be delicious. I've had some appetizers that are delicious. There is a restaurant in Detroit that they're appetizer in Jesus' name is lobster corn dogs. The devil is a liar. Are you kidding? That's my two. These are a few of my favorite things. Lobster dipped in batter, fried in oil, served with creamy butter sauce. Hello. <laughs> they bring that out. I go, boy, the dinner better be good because this is banging. You know, so this, this, this is the appetizer. This is what's supposed to motivate you to go forth this week and live your life through Jesus. And so if you haven't gone through growth track, please go through, like, like some of you, you say, oh, this place has gotten so big and I feel like I, I don't fit in. Well, you, you won't fit in until you fit in. You won't, fit, let me say it like this. You won't fit in until you get in. Like, like go and serve, make coffee, high five people, hold a baby, change a poopy diaper. Nothing will get you closer to Jesus than changing somebody's poopy diaper. Somebody's gonna tweet that right now. That's, a, oh my God, the gospel according to Sean. Okay, so girl track is the first. Here's the second, life groups. I love life groups. I want everyone in here to be in a group. There's a church in Alabama that has more people in their groups than they actually have attend their church. They have people that are in their small groups who don't even attend their church. So I want everyone in here to be in a group. If you're lonely, it's because you're not in a group. You haven't found your pocket of people, as Sonny would say. Like, I, I don't just want you to be in a group. I would love every one of you to lead a group. Can you imagine that? But you look at that and you go, oh my gosh, I can, there's no way that I could lead a group. I'm totally unqualified. Yes, that's exactly right. You're just as unqualified to lead a life group as I am to preach a sermon because it's just the thing. None of us are qualified to do what it is God's called us to do until we do what it is that God's called us to do. And like, if you are a Jesus person, like if you're one of the 30 people who got saved last week and you gave your life to Jesus, can I tell you that you should, be leading a life group next semester. Like you've been saved like three weeks, but guess what? There's somebody who's been saved for one week and you go, hey, let's, let me tell you what I've learned in the last two. Like you're, you've got your masters and be, you put one, two fingers in your shirt now. You go, let me tell you what I've learned about Jesus in the last two weeks. You get one eyeglass and a top hat and you say, oh, no, let me tell you what I know about Jesus. But there's nothing that's going to make you like learn about Jesus than to be responsible to help somebody else learn about Jesus. And so like, I want you to lead like everyone in here. Can you imagine if you all led a group and you just started recruiting the people in your neighborhood and you just said, Hey, we do this thing at our house on Tuesdays and we really don't know what we're doing, but we've got lobster corn dogs. <laughs> Everybody's going to come. I just want, I just want you to become more like Jesus. I just want you to grow to become more like the person that we're following because scripture says in your lives, you have to think and act like Jesus. And scripture shows us how to do that 
it says that we take every thought captive so that it's obedient to Jesus. So when I have a thought, when I hear a voice, I ask, will it make me more like Jesus or will it make me less like Jesus? And if it will make me less like Jesus to say this or do this, I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't do that because I'm listening to the wrong voice. Here's the third filter. Does godly counsel agree? That sounds super churchy. So like you say, godly counsel, what is godly counsel? It's just simply a person or a group of people that you have in your life who are Jesus people. Not, not like fringe folk. I'm talking about like real Jesus people, not spectators, participants, people who display a life that is evidence of their connection to Jesus. And how do you know who those people are who are connected to Jesus? Jesus told us, he said, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. Every tree is known by its fruit. But what fruit? Scripture tells us that too. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have people in your life who don't display those characteristics, they're probably fringe people because the closer you become like Jesus, the more fruit you bear in your life. So I look for people who look like that. Then I look for agreement with those people. Like does what I'm hearing sit with them? Like before I pull the trigger, before I make a deal, before I sign the contract, before I put down the deposit, before I send that email or that text, I ask, does it sit with my godly counsel. And so sometimes I'll want to send an email or I'll want to send a text and I'll run that through my, my personal accountability. I'll say, Hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think about this? And then I'll like, listen, that's the key to what it is that they say and adjust what it is because I trust that they hear from God. In the book of second Corinthians, a guy named Paul was establishing his authority and his authenticity and speaking for God. And he says to his listeners, Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Because according to the book of Wisdom, Proverbs, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. It says that we should listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you're going to be counted among the wise. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Listen to advice because victory is won through many advisors. I want victory for my life and for yours. So seek godly counsel. Here's the fourth filter. Do I have peace? This is how I make all my decisions. I pursue peace. One of the things that people will say about me who work with me or for me will say that I run in a hundred different directions at a time. I always have 40 ideas brewing. You know what? Hey, what if we do this? Hey, we should do, we should buy that. We should sell. We should, oh, we should start. It's all these decisions. And I like to just like throw them out there and then just see like, which, huh, which one feels good? Mm, that one, not so much. We put it out there, but if it's in my head, I can never get a filter. I can never get a gauge. And so, so I, I ask you, do, do I have a peace about this? I pursue peace, which is a rare commodity today. If you don't think that peace is a rare commodity, look at the evidence of the amount of self-medicating that people do. Peace can't be found in a pill or a bottle, a new boat, or someone else's bed. James, the brother of Jesus, said the wisdom, which incidentally is our next series, James, the brother of Jesus. I hope that ruffles 
some people's feathers. And so, so James, the brother of Jesus, said the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial, it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace are going to reap a harvest of righteousness. I pursue peace because God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. So when I'm trying to make a decision, when I'm trying to find my direction, I slow down, avoid chaos, avoid confusion, because we shouldn't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. And I love that word guard. He will guard your hearts, and he will guard your minds. And in the Greek, which is the original language that the New Testament was written in, that word guard was a military term. It actually means garrison. It's, it's painting this picture of an army surrounding your heart, surrounding your mind, providing protection, providing peace. And that's how I want to live my life and how I want you to live yours. Where no matter what you face, you're going to sense this surrounding of protection and this surrounding of peace. So how do we secure the surrounding of security. Three things. Tune in to God every day. Tune in every day. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they're familiar with his voice. Tune into his voice every day. Number two, tune out the things that oppose God. Some of us need to purify all of the things that come into our lives. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but it'll, they'll scatter because they aren't used to hearing his voice. Some of you are too familiar with the stranger's voice. Do you know the people who are in the counterfeit business? They don't spend any time with counterfeits. I don't know if you knew this. This is very interesting. People, particularly in the counterfeit money business, they don't ever look at counterfeit bills. They only look at real bills. They spend so much time looking at real money that when fake money comes along, they go, oh, that's fake. That's because I've spent so much time with the real thing. If you want to know what a counterfeit is, stop spending time with counterfeits and start spending time with the real thing. Tune out the things that oppose to God. Number three, take steps towards God's voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are you doing that? Are you tuning in? Are you tuning out? Are you taking steps, hearing, listening to his voice? because he's calling. Would you close your eyes all across this place? He is calling. You know, that could sum up salvation just pretty well right there. He is, he is calling. You're, you're feeling a nudge. You're, you're feeling a, 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 a hint, a, a premonition, if you would. You've been feeling it for weeks, some of you for years, and you, you couldn't put your finger on it. You didn't know what it was. You, did, you just... You felt uneasy. You, you felt unfinished. And what that is, is that he's been calling you. You just don't recognize his voice. And today, for some of you, you went, oh, that's the thing that I've been looking for. And so this morning, we're going to give you opportunity to respond to his voice, to, to become one of his sheep. We call it salvation. This morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in two ways, confession and profession confession of your sins and profession that he is Lord. 
We're all sinners. The Bible talks about it. So there's no shame in your game. Don't feel like you're the only one that says, you know, I'm a sinner. I got sins. We all sinned this week. All have sinned, it says, and fall short of the glory of God. It is a continual, continual process. So I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Sean, not only do I have sin in my life, I never actually have made that commitment to step across the line and confess that and profess that I believe that Jesus can save me. So this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in two ways. In just a minute, with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask for people to confess by raising their hand and saying, yes, I need Jesus. Second, I'm going to give opportunity for people to profess by repeating a prayer after me. And everyone in here is going to repeat this prayer. And then when we're done, we're not going to make people stand up. We're not going to point people out. We're just going to believe that if you pray this prayer and you believe it in your heart, the Bible says you are saved. You're now a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl. So with nobody looking around, if you're here and you say, Sean, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and confess and profess. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me and put it right now. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say these words. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and change me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart, we believe that you are now saved. You're rescued from your sin and from your shame. And you begin this journey away from who you are toward who Jesus wants you to be. And so we want to walk that journey with you. So there's a couple things we would love that you would do first is take the hello card that's in the seat back in front of you or it's underneath your chair if you're online just message one of our online pastors let them know that you made that decision and that you'd like to follow up if you're here in the house we do have a packet that we would love to give to you it's at our welcome center it's a, a three-month devotional with a daily reading and some scripture and a few other little things a book called the book of uh what is this called book of life. I thought that's what it was called. The book of the life book. And then there's a CD in here that's 12 minutes and it tells you what the next logical steps are. And so we would love it if you'd pick that up if you haven't. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again. Don't, don't leave. Pastor Johnny's going to close this out here in just a second. But I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, like I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, uh, but, but I haven't surrendered my life and I'm not surrounded by peace. Ooh, that's a lot of people. If you'd say, I'm not surrounded by peace, but I need to be. Would you raise your hand right now so that I could pray for you? Gosh, so many people. God, for so many of my friends who are not surrounded by peace, give it to them, God. You are the prince of peace. So bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen.